you up. In the mighty name of Jesus, God's people said, Amen, amen. amen. You can be seated if you would, please. Well, tonight you guys have a special treat. Gog is like, yeah! Jeez. As many of you guys know, um, Deacon Marcus Ford is going to be preaching tonight. And if you guys didn't know, Marcus Ford loves the Lord. Marcus Ford loves the Lord. I'm really excited to have Marcus preach tonight. Um, I want to give you guys a little bit of context before, it com- before he comes up and speaks. Um, and I'm not trying to say anything. He's going to be like, oh my gosh, i got to change everything. You don't have to change anything. I've been doing this pastoring thing long enough that there's a few things I just want to clarify as we're going into this evening. The first one is this. is If you stand up here and you preach, it doesn't make you a pastor. And sometimes people think like, well, he got to preach. Is he a pastor now? No, he ain't no pastor. Um, and I'm not... <laughs> because people think that. They think like, well, only pastors preach, but that's not the truth. Any believer can preach a gospel, preach a, preach a message. You don't have to be a deacon. You don't have to be a pastor. You just have to be a Christian. And, and, it's, and it's not to say that Marcus shouldn't, or he wouldn't, or he couldn't, or he won't. It's just saying, like, sometimes someone will preach a sermon, and afterwards everybody starts calling him pastor. And I'm like, hold on, man. That's not, that's not how this process works. Uh, the second thing that I want to encourage you guys in tonight is that this is uh, Marcus's very first sermon that he's ever preached in front of anybody, okay? And, and so uh, on a Wednesday night, it's kind of like believer's night, right? And so we, we, this isn't the time where you're going to send him an email or send me an email and be like, well, he kind of messed up on this part. Like, we don't do that, okay? If something seems funny, you better laugh, right? <laughs> If, it, if, if, it's, if it's something is, is a gospel truth that you've heard a thousand times, what God is love? Amen! Man, that's good, right? Because what we want to do is, is we want to cultivate the gift, right? And so if, if, you, if he gets up and then y'all make him earn every laugh and every amen, he's going to be like, I don't want to do this ever again. You know, me, me and Pastor Jay cut our teeth on, you know, five member audiences. And man, that's a hard preach. It's a hard preach to preach in front of five people. But you get, you know, there's probably 100 people in the room tonight. It, uh, it's good, right? And, um, and, and I also want to say, and I'm not scaring you, Marcus, but just because he preaches tonight doesn't mean he's going to preach again. And, and so some, sometimes people, people say like, well, when are we going to have Marcus again? And it's like, well, you know, that's just how it works. Because the Lord just spoke to me to say that, um, that Marcus should preach a sermon. That's what he said. And so he didn't say he's supposed to become anything or do anything or go anything else. So we're just going off what we know. And the Lord said, have Marcus preach a sermon. I'm like, all right. He's our, he's our men's Bible study leader on Tuesday nights. It's funny. You can always... You can always tell who somebody's disciples are. They, uh, all, of, all of his guys, all of his guys from Tuesday night, are like yeah, you know. And he's killing it on Tuesday night. They get what about 20, 25 guys that come out. Uh, if you're a man, you should come out. It's a great thing as well. Um, and the the preparation for preaching doesn't happen in the pulpit. It happens in private. And and uh, Marcus is a man of character. And, and, and I love to joke about it because it's fun to say Marcus Ford loves the Lord, but he really does love the Lord. 
and and the the preparation for the pulpit is in is in the private part of your character, and Marcus has it in droves. And so um, we're going to trust God, and we're going to listen from God's word, and we're going to uh, cheer what the Lord's doing in Marcus Ford's life. Amen. Yes. Amen. Marcus, why don't you come up? Now you were a you were a linebacker in college, right? Defensive lineman. Defensive lineman. All right. So this is yeah. your left limit. Oh, and this is your, uh, <laughs> your right limit. Okay. Woo! You cover this area. Perfect. Okay? No one gets area. by. <laughs> Go, Marcus! Man, can you guys hear me? Awesome. Man, thank you, so, thank you so much for being a, wor- being a worshiping church. The Spirit makes it so much easier. Like, oh. Amen. If it was just me without the Spirit, I'd be at home. Woo! <laughs> like, All right. All right, so, um, so I'm just going to bring this word uh, that God shared with me. I'm just going to be myself. I'm going to do exactly what he told me to do, and uh, we're just going to make sure he gets glorified, all right? Cool. All right. So, as you all know, I'm very humbled and just very grateful to be here. I'm so appreciative of Faith Faith and Victory Church, Pastor Matt's obedience to the Father, uh, which allows people like me to come in and and grow spiritually. Amen. All right, so uh, today's message message is titled, Can You Hear Me Now? I can read, guys. Can you hear me now? (laughs) So it's funny because... uh, so how it works that how it was going to work out is I, I was supposed to speak last week on a Wednesday. Many of you didn't know that, but by surprise, praise God, Pastor John came and he brought it. And the thing about it is, is from him preaching that day, his title was, are you, are you listening? And it's funny because that was almost my sermon title. So, but thank you for my wife. Hallelujah. We planned together and God said, can you hear me now? All right. So, uh, let's pray. Oh, dear Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you so much for just shutting me up and just allowing you to be present here. I thank you, Lord, that God, that uh, I'm only strong in you. Lord, that God, there's nothing without you. And I thank you, Father God, for my mind being fixed and focused on you to deliver this word, not to get in the way, but just let your glory shine and let your spirit be present tangibly here, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to be in Matthew 22, uh, verses 1 through 14, the parable of the wedding feast. And I just pray that this message touches someone's heart, even if it's just one. All right, so within the Gospels, that's fine. Within the Gospels, I love them because it gives us the context, the uh, the eyewitnesses account, the eyewitness account of Jesus Christ, who's our Lord and Savior. Um, It gives us the detail of his life. Gives us the it shows us the miracles he's done, why he came, his obedience to the Father, and it shows how he fulfilled all the prophecies of the Old Testament. And the beauty of Christ that we read in the Gospels is that, in exchange for his life, he's went away to provide a gift to us, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit, who's our helper. So I'm going to get into this Matthew 22. We're going to go over the parable, then I'll explain it after. Here we read. 
It's a big Bible. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. And they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. So let me explain. So, the great king, he's prepared an arranged marriage for his son, and it was a great feast. And he invited it, he sent out his servants to invite the guests to the feast. And the people who were invited, they, they didn't call. They didn't answer. They didn't respond. So what he did was he sent his servants out again to those people who were invited. And he told them to say, hey, invite them again and let them know my fatted cattle are... And he said to let them know the food's ready, basically. We have everything prepared. They just need to show up. So they rejected that. And then they also killed the servants who delivered the message. And in so... The king was furious. So he destroyed the city. Now, opening up the invitation to all, not just those who were specifically invited at first, but now to everybody. And so he sent his servants back out to invite any, everybody who they came encounter with to this great feast. So I want to give you the backstory of Christ's teachings and why the parable was given. We know that Jesus traveled many places by foot, by boat, teaching, preaching, touching lives, healing many. He did this in places like Capernaum. He did this in Jerusalem, Jericho, all around the Sea of Galilee, in many cities and many villages in that area. Christ's teachings were powerful. They spoke directly to the hearts of men. Before the parable was given, his teachings, he was teaching inside a temple inside Jerusalem and was questioned by the chief priests and elders of the people. Jesus was questioned because, like always, he was teaching the truth with authority and what God permitted him to teach exactly. So, in this time of him teaching in the temple, we don't know exactly what he was teaching, but we can only assume based off of what we read in other places of the Bible. So, conclusion or thought would be, Jesus, he was probably teaching the old Mosaic law with his new law 
And in his teachings, he was piercing, piercing the heart of those men. He was piercing their, their thoughts. He was piercing everything about them. What they stood for, Christ was that and more. And they couldn't, they didn't like it. So with this truth, it made the chief priests upset. They were so offended and they were angry. They came to the point of questioning his authority. And we read that in Matthew 21, the previous chapter. And it says, Now when he came into the temple, the chief priests and elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you teaching these things? And who gave you this authority? To this question and to their unbelief, this is why he gave the parable. Jesus was God in the flesh. He was different. He was uncommon. He was and is the Messiah. His teachings were greater than the Mosaic Law that was commonly taught in these temples and synagogues, and they failed to realize it. Yes, here and in other places of Scripture, we see Jesus was questioned or, or tested, but the thing was, Jesus didn't war with his flesh. He made his flesh submit to the authority of God. And that's just as we should do. We have the same spirit inside of us now that Christ had back in this time. We see that Christ's teachings were paving the way for the new covenant to be established. The one we follow now. Imagine if Jesus was our pastor today. Like literally here. Not spiritually here, but literally physically in front of us teaching us the same word that we read today. Think about it. He would reveal any and all wickedness, bitterness, unforgiveness that we have. His speech would, would be so precise, so direct, that you would feel offended. And you would feel he's speaking directly to you. I wonder if this is exactly how they felt then when he was teaching. We read in scripture, Jesus answers the thoughts and hearts of men. Just imagine, Jesus wouldn't tone down his message. He wouldn't leave scripture out. He wouldn't turn from the truth. And he wouldn't conform to the world. He wouldn't hold back anything. He would preach the truth to our hearts, to our thoughts, and even respond to our thoughts during the sermon. Just think about it. Remember Jesus' is truth, and he is the word. Amen. As we read in John, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We see the priests that interrupted Christ's teachings are like people who get offended by the biblical truth today. Yes. They get upset. They say that the Bible is hate speech. They say that church is, is wrong. They say that Christians need to accept us into the world, or accept the world. These people want it their way. They want it comfortable. They want it to satisfy their flesh, and they don't want to be challenged. Jesus and the Word of God offends. It goes against the world, and it's not common. It doesn't cater to the flesh, but what it does is it makes us die to our flesh, and it makes us die to our desires. Some people we see today, they walk out of sermons. They leave churches. They church hop. When people get offended or upset, they open the door for Satan. 
they say, come on into my house. My door's open. The table's ready. Would you like some water? Trusting their flesh, agreeing with the lies of the enemy, refusing Christ's teaching is what put these people in this place, those Pharisees. They knew the Messiah was to come. They knew what the scripture said. And in Christ, they heard and saw him heal people. They saw him teach the law of Moses, and they saw him stay in truth. He never wavered. He was God in the flesh. Despite what they saw and knew, they were still offended and still questioned his authority. And this is why he responded to them with the parable. The same people he came to save are the same people that rejected him. Let's Let's take some time to get back to the parable and break it down. Although it talks about earthly things, a wedding, a king, his son, servants, and guests, there are direct parallels to the kingdom of heaven that we must understand. The kingdom of heaven in the parallel represents heaven, God's eternal kingdom. A kingdom for those who confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, walking out their faith, doing the will of God, enduring to the end. The king represents God. And Revelations 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The King's Son represents Christ, our Lord and Savior, the one who washes our sins away, our Redeemer. The marriage represents Christ, the bridegroom, and the church, his bride, us. The feast represents being in heaven, eternity in God's kingdom, where all all the saints will dwell and remain for eternity. The first servants represents the prophets who proclaim the coming Messiah, like Isaiah, Elijah, John the Baptist, and others. The second servants who had to go back out represents the disciples, apostles, the followers of Jesus Christ, the new followers, who proclaimed the gospel to the Jews and later the Gentiles. The ones that were invited, that were not willing to come, represent the Jews of that time that rejected Christ. And the call to salvation, or or the call or invitation that they were delivering to the feast represents the call to salvation. This is my first point. You are called to salvation. Matthew, the verses 2 and 4 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, He sent out other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, See that I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But the invited guest made light of it, going their own way, tending to their farms and businesses. They were called, invited, then called again, but they still rejected. The servants went out and said, Hey, Come to the feast. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Turn from your sins and follow Christ. But they still ignored. So, so here's the context of what I put in my words of what salvation is. Salvation is accepting and believing that Jesus Christ is Lord, that He reconciles us to God through His blood that was shed, on, that was shed dying on the cross for our sins, taking our place as our substitute. Yes. We believe it and accept it. Salvation. 
And we're all called to it. And here's the thing. After salvation, after you accept salvation, you act on it. With the acceptance of salvation, he starts changing us. We follow and submit to Jesus, leaving our old life behind that was worthless and on a path to hell. And now we find newness in Christ. We put on the newness of Christ. We accept his laws, his commandments, his attributes, changing how we think, how we walk, how we talk, how we live, who and how we associate with people. How we treat people and how we respond to people. Living a renewed life opposite from the world. Living a new life in Christ. Taking up our cross daily. We do this after we accept and receive salvation in Christ. We start to really live. Because before Christ, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. And we were enemies to God. We'll read in... 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You can't stay the same. Once you receive Christ, you must grow out of your old worldly shell, your cocoon, and you have to get out of that nesting period. You can't stay. We must grow. We have to grow out of our worldly mindset and into our spiritual mindset. Focusing on eternal things, following the ways and teachings of Christ. Again, we must become a new creation. We are all called to salvation. We're all invited. You're invited. I was in, We're all invited. So I'm going to share a story with you guys. So I was about seven years old, Sacramento, uh, where I was born and raised. And so it was a summer day, nice and hot outside. And for some reason, all my cousins weren't around. So I was at the house by myself with my mom, at the house with my mom, and I wanted to go to my grandma's house just to go. So I jump on my bike. So I'm cruising. It's just me outside. And literally, I'm looking around. No one's with me. And all I hear is, Marcus. So I'm like, uh, let me just go back home. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I go home, and I'm cruising up to my house, and my mom's on the porch. So I ride up to her, and I'm like, hey, mom, uh, you called me, so I'm back. And she's like, I didn't call you, son. First thing she told me, I didn't call you, son. That was God that called you. And she says, the next time he calls you, say, here am I. So here I am. So... To let you guys know, there's seriously nothing special about me. It's very simple. He called, and I answered. The Lord is saying to you, can you hear me now? John 14, verse 6 says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. Following Jesus, doing the will of God, is the only way to walk out our salvation. People don't say, Salvation is yours. Come as you are and stay as you are. No. You can come as you are, but you aren't to stay as you are. You must change. Luke 9, verse 24. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, 
But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. You must let your old life go and live your new life in Jesus. If you hold on to your old life, you will lose it in the end. To outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But if you leave your old life, your old ways, your old thinking, your old enjoyments, and cling to Christ, you will find new life and eternal life. So I have some quick stats to share with you guys. Took a lot of digging for these. So here they are. Stats are 10 out of 10 people die. That's it. Where will you go once you're on the other side? Because we, we, we live this life, but there is an eternal life that we have to look forward to. Matthew 16, verse 24. Then said Jesus to his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Think of the seasons, guys. Think we, it's, it's evening time. Earlier today was the morning time. Our age changes. Our hair changes. My weight changes. <laughs> Everything changes. <laughs> we, <laughs> we see that... <laughs> We see the Jews rejected Christ because they preferred their old ways. Matthew 22, verse 5. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. They were distracted. Distracted by the things of this world. Distracted by their jobs. Distracted by their needs. Distracted by their lives, their cares, their routines, their customs. What they knew. Everything around them was just there. Their time. They were distracted. So how many of us can relate to this? Many of us are familiar with these distractions, right? We're too busy. I have my life to live. I only live once. I gotta live my best life. Distractions. My job, my cell phone, my car, my body, my fitness, my makeup. They were more focused on the things around them rather than the things of God. They rejected salvation for careless, perishable things of the world. Matthew in chapter 6 says, verse 24, No one can serve two masters for whether he will hate the one and love the other or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is money, riches, idols, status. What are your pleasures? This is mammon. You choose. It's either Christ submitted or the world. You can't have both. So we must not forget. Here's the big thing. We are the creation. We are not the creator. Let's go back to Genesis and and, and dig into what was going on when God created us. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image 
According to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. We only have life because God gives us life. Our life is not our own. You didn't give yourself life. We think we're in control sometimes, but we're really not. Think about it. There is a God. He made us in his image. It was God who breathed breath into Adam. No one here. And then he put Adam in a deep sleep. And then he took his, opened his side up, took a rib out, and made Eve. No one could do that. So if we're the creation, why aren't we in servitude to the creator? He created us, male and female. And he sent his son, Jesus, to live, die, and to rise again so that we could be reconciled back to him. Because we are terrible humans that can't do anything alone. No good work, no self, no false self-righteousness, no good deeds. Nothing we can do can reconcile us back to the Father. We can't do it. That's why Jesus had to do it for us. Jesus made a way for us all. What's keeping you from him? What are your distractions in life? What, what's holding us back? I don't need to give any examples because the Spirit's here. Whatever that thought is, take care of it. In the parable in verse 6, And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. Yes, they killed the prophets. They killed the disciples. Even Christ himself. The rejection of Christ and his invitation to the feast, they rejected salvation. We read in scripture, many of the disciples died horrible deaths. Death by stoning, death by crucifixion, beheading. For the sake of the gospel. And we read about Stephen in Acts. Stephen was stoned for preaching. Preaching into his death. Killed by the Jewish leaders. Before he died, he asked the Lord not to charge them for their sin. Really? Wow. This wasn't done by his flesh. It was all done by the power and the Spirit of God. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The same Spirit that filled Samson with strength. The same Spirit that's in us today. Verses 7 through 9. When the king heard about it, he was furious. And sending out his armies, destroyed those murderers and burned up their cities. This is the parallel of the, the Romans against Judea. Destroying and burning up Jerusalem. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited are not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. At this point, because the Jews have rejected Christ, God has now permitted the Gentiles in. Into salvation. Amen? 
We know that the kingdom of heaven was once for the Jews because they were God's chosen people. They were the selected ones for the eternal kingdom. But since they rejected Jesus, God allowed this benefit to us all. We're all welcome. In Romans chapter 11, verses 19 through 23, we read from Paul. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. Because of unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell. Severity. But towards you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And they also if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted back in. For God is able to graft them in again. So what does this mean for us? The followers of Christ, both Jew and Gentile alike, all servants who are now accepted, have a job to do. To share the gospel. And that's my next point. There's work to do. In verse 10 of chapter 22. So the servants went out into the highways and gathered together as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. These servants went out. They went out to the highways. They went out to the back streets. They went out to Costco. They went to Chick-fil-A. They were in Tacoma. They were in Marysville. They were in Kent. All the ends of the world. They went everywhere to invite as many as they could. They went out to capture the lost and invite all whom they found. They worked the fields of the harvest. And here we are. We're to do the same. Invite people to church. Share Jesus. Because Christ is returning on a day that no man knows. Not even Christ knows himself. Only but God knows. So prepare. And invite as many as you can for his return. Because salvation is now. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. Amen. We're to make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them and teach them to observe Christ's commandments. We have a three-piece combo. It's not too much, it's not too little. But it's straightforward. This is all we have to do. We are the next servants. We have the baton now. And it's thinking about the baton, I was doing this earlier, it's like it's a relay race. Yeah. It, it doesn't say it's a, it's a relay sit on a couch. It's a relay race. And we have the baton in our hands now. So we have a race to finish. A running race. Shameless. <laughs> we have a work to do. We have a race to finish, and we must run. Yes. How? With the help of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Jesus has done everything needed, 
and prepare, to prepare and send off his disciples into the world. All of our strength is in him. We can't do this on our own. It's only the power of the Holy Spirit that's going to get us to do these things. So I'll share a quick story with you guys. So it was after uh, Wednesday's service. I was talking outside with one of the guys here. And uh, it's probably like a two-minute conversation. But in that conversation, I was asked a question. Marcus, are your neighbors saved? I responded, they're not. And then he asked me, so you're going you're gonna to sit on the sideline and willingly let your neighbors go to hell? Oh, it hurt. <laughs> and as he walked away, he said, don't let your neighbors go to hell. <laughs> Praise God for him. That spoke to me. <laughs> we are the laborers. There was work to be done. If it's your neighbors that need to hear about Jesus, let them know. If it's your coworkers, if it's your banker, if it's your cashier, if it's your, your relatives, anyone who has not received the gift of salvation through Christ, if, they, if, they don't, if, if they're not Christians and showing their Christian walk, we should be just sharing, yes. ministering to them. Amen. And here's the thing. We don't decide who's invited. Our job is to invite. We don't choose at all. You choosing who you preach to or to share the gospel with is disobeying Christ. You're denying people salvation because they don't fit your criteria. We're not God. Remember, we're the creation, not the creator. And we have a work to do as Christians. God said to make disciples of all nations... Not some nations. He didn't say black nations. He didn't say white nations. He said all nations. You are here today because someone invited you. Somebody shared the gospel with you. Someone took the time out of their day to spend however long it was, however many weeks it was, to get you to this point of, of fully serving Christ. And amen for all those people. This is my last point. The Holy Spirit will lead you. Yes. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This includes the state of Washington. The Holy Spirit will send you where you should go and give you the words to speak. There's no need to fear. There's no need to worry. There's no need to spin your head around what you're going to say. We're not the Spirit. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 through 16. Sorry. Yep. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Yes. Rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain battlings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. Yes. When sharing Jesus with someone, 
Don't deliver a confusing message. Don't give crazy examples. Study the word. Read your Bible. And the Spirit will give you what to say. We're to share the gospel and to share our testimony. Share what Jesus has done for you to people. It's not you or your delivery that saves. It's the power of the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1-5 through And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should be in the wisdom of that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul saying, he doesn't need excellent speech. He doesn't need to use big words. He doesn't need to elaborate on Webster's dictionary. He doesn't. He doesn't want men's faith to be in him. He wants their faith to be in God alone. So I'll share my last story with you guys. So, I don't know what day it was. It was probably like three months ago. So it was me and Xavier. We're just hanging out. I think my wife was at work. And we're sitting there. And out of the blue, he just looks at me and asks me a question. He's like, Daddy, how come only Christians get to go to heaven? I needed an answer. (laughs) (laughs) So I look at him and I'm thinking, how does this make sense to a seven-year-old? Who's my son? Who's going to remember this? So I tell him, I say, son, you know, when we celebrate your birthday party, you know, we're, we're very particular on who we invite. We, we invite those who really love you. We invite those people who really spend time with you. We invite those people who care about you. We invite those people who do life with you. So I say, heaven is Jesus' birthday party. Only those who care for him, only those who do life with him, Only those who are on his side can gain entry through him. For the end of the parable in in verse 13, the man who was taken out of the, the wedding hall because he didn't have on his garments, that was thrown into outer darkness... That's for those that refuse and reject salvation. Those people are cast into hell, into outer darkness for eternity. Eternity in darkness, separated from God, is a choice that people make. Don't let this be you. And I want to give you the opportunity to respond. To respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. To accept salvation in Jesus So in closing, if you haven't been listening this whole time, now is the time to listen. Jesus is asking you, can you hear me now? It doesn't matter what you've done. doesn't matter what you've said. doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't. Jesus is calling you. You have an invitation, but you must respond. And now can be.
I ask that everyone bow their heads and close their eyes. If you haven't accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, and you're just walking through this life, trying to find your path, the only path is in Christ. Salvation is in Jesus Christ. There's no other name under the sun that will save you. You can't save yourself. Not your finances, not your acquaintances, not your family. Only in Christ. And if that's you, with every head bowed and eyes closed, I want to offer you the chance to just raise your hand and we'll have someone pray with you. It's just you and Jesus. And for the rest of us, as we're laborers in the field, working his harvest I just want to pray for us all dear heavenly father I thank you so much for providing this opportunity I thank you so much for providing this word I thank you so much Lord God for the growth in all of us I thank you so much Lord God if someone's watching us at a later time period I pray Lord God that you reach their heart and you touch them and they confess you as Lord and Savior and respond to the call of this invitation God, we just want to worship your name and we say we honor you, Father. I also pray for us workers here. Pray that you strengthen us and encourage us and let the Holy Spirit just illuminate in us, Father, that we can just share your truth, your gospel, with everyone we encounter. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just in, indulge me for just a few more moments. Uh, Marcus, you did an amazing job. Yeah. You did a really good job. Um, I just want to encourage you guys to remember, Marcus didn't preach tonight. God preached tonight. Yeah. Right? He was a vessel. And for those guys that were here for the man up, you remember, Pastor John said, the funnel isn't what gets the power. It's the gas that goes through the funnel. And uh, But that being said... The way that you encourage a, a, a preacher is that you, if you get a chance and you see him after service, you thank him and give him a specific something. Like it's, it's always good for a pastor to hear like, hey, good message. Um, but it's more specific to say, Marcus, I really like that part where you said if Jesus was in the room, he would change the message based on what you were thinking. Yeah. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so good. Right? I mean, that's a, that's a specific thing that God spoke to me in that. I'm like, dang it. Get your mind right. Get your mind right. That was so good. I, I do want to correct you one thing publicly because I don't want people to leave here with the wrong idea. Um, for your first sermon, you don't want to do that good. Um, you want to keep the bar a little bit lower. Right? Because I don't, I don't know where we go from there, but for a first one, that's a really good one. I do want to thank Pastor Jay and Pastor Todd. Um, Crystal and I were gone for a few weeks, and Pastor Jay and Pastor Todd met with Marcus and helped him and guided him and all that things. So you guys did a fantastic job as well. Uh, and uh, in closing, I just want to say thank you guys for being you. Man, I love us. I just love faith and victory. I love what we do here. And uh, it was exciting to be a part of what God did in Marcus tonight. So enjoy the rest of your evening. Um, we will see you on Sunday. Go downstairs.
get your kids. Love you guys. Have a good night.